There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the internet. Which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high coverage foundation. More popular than soft launching your boyfriend. More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi, it's more popular than influencers. See you in there. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Welcome to Scared to Death. I don't know why I almost forgot our own show name, <laughs> Creeps and Peepers. I tried to say two words at once, as usual. Oh, well, uh, it's okay. Creeps who can't get enough hor- of horror, and uh, Peepers who uh, hate it but just keep coming back. Me, me. Peep, 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 peep. And I, uh, I've been feeling extra creepy lately. I feel you like, have? Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been wanting more horror lately. Uh, when times are weird, I'm like, let's double down on it. Okay. Well, I, I don't feel the same way, but. Mm-hmm. I've been noticing some strange things in our house that we can talk about later because I haven't told you about it. I'm Dan. Hey, guys. I'm Lindsay. And uh, thanks again for the continued reviews and ratings online. So appreciated. Uh, Every time you leave us a good review, it helps so much uh, for us as, you know, finding new listeners. Uh, You know, obviously positive reviews help and most of them are positive. And that I feel like brings a lot of new people into our show. So thank you. That's how people find us. And thanks to Black Rifle Coffee. Yeah. Oh my God, we got such a huge gift of, uh, it felt more worthy of a of a coffee shop than an individual. I know, it was like so a, generous. So many bags of coffee, uh, shirts, so many um, of the- Socks, uh, the, stickers, the, the cold, mugs. It's not like cold brew, but, yeah, the, but the, okay, cold brew, like the, I, the I stuff that's canned. Brew. Oh my yeah. God, so good. And, and we're all drinking it and we're uh, extra alert. We're hopped up. And I'm not supposed to have caffeine, so it's super fun for me. <laughs> and one more quick stand-up special announcement. Uh, for a while at least, Get Out of Here Devil, my third one-hour special, seventh widely released album. Yay! Out on video on Amazon, Apple TV, cable on demand, Google Play, elsewhere. Out on audio, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and elsewhere. Hope you watch and or listen and enjoy. I'm super proud of you. Thank you. What's Thank it called? You. Get out of here, devil. Devil. So, see, it's part of this show. <laughs> Boom. Did it. And also, this for the YouTube listeners, hidden 20% off promo code for Scared to Death merch will appear uh, only on screen uh, on YouTube. So, creeps and peepers watching the show will get that discount code. Oh, fancy. Mm-hmm. And you can use it on the badass demon cat black tee, zip up black hoodie. So good. I love that one. Mm-hmm, me I, say, too. I feel like I say that every week. Oh, but I love it is that so one. good. But I do. It's and great merch. Super cool iPhone case in the store now as well. And thanks for supporting the show by getting the merch uh, at badmagicmerch.com. And we, now it's story time. We are so grateful for you. I tried, I felt like I had a few extra announcements. I tried to get to them quick. You did a good job. Okay. You're great, Dan. 
Good I'm, job. I'm excited for my stories today. You are? My two stories. And you have, I think, three, right? I have three because when I was reading through our... Um, Excuse me. When I was reading through the emails, there's just so many, and so it's so hard mm-hmm. to know. Like, how do you? I, I'm just going off like titles or whatever, you know, oh, subject yeah. lines. Sure. So I'm just kind of like scrolling, scrolling. So I have two littles and one slightly larger, but probably about the same amount of time as two normal, yeah, regular yeah. stories. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm I, excited. Uh, I have a, my first story is uh, about the long sordid past of Arkansas's Crescent Hotel. Okay, I've never been to Arkansas. I, I've been to uh, Arkansas several times. Hot, sp- Hot Springs, Arkansas is a cool little place. What were you doing in Arkansas? <laughs> I was doing shows years That's ago. That's how I learned at, how to spell it. At uh, colleges and, okay. uh, you know, opening up for Larry the Kibble Guy actually years ago. Oh, wow. That's like many, many moons ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool guy. So, so the Crescent, <laughs> Crescent Hotel, uh, it has a past that makes it worthy of like a horror series or horror movie. Cool. Uh, being either set on the, you know, in the hotel or based on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we're going to head to Virginia for a nice, creepy little urban legend. The gruesome story of the bunny man. Okay, that sounds so creepy. Mm-hmm, it is so creepy. That sounds terrible. Uh, so decent amount of setup for this first story while you get ready. Okay, before you start talking, though, these socks this week are super extra special. Okay. They came to me from a fan named Stephanie, and look at how cool they are. She had socks. Oh, those are cool. She had socks made for me. I don't oh. know. Can you guys really see them? Like they say crystal Oh, my power. God. That's pretty cool. They're so cute. Really cool. Thank you, Stephanie. Appreciate you. Okay, now you may begin, Daniel. Okay. Uh, have you ever walked into a hotel room? After a long journey and thought something like, someone's just been here. Yes. Maybe it's a smell of their perfume or aftershave lingering under you know, cheap disinfectants. Maybe there's an indentation on the bed left by someone who was clearly recently just sitting there. No. Another guest, a maid, maybe something else entirely. Think too hard about who may have just been in your room and what they might have been doing shortly before you checked in can make your skin crawl. Were all the sheets washed? Did housekeeping clean both of the pillowcases? Were all of the surfaces wiped down? Easy to torture yourself with these kind of thoughts. And if you want even more self-torture, think about previous guests who might still be in your room. Guests who stayed in and then died in your room. Ugh, I've never thought about that in a hotel. Or died somewhere near your room. Ugh. Think enough about that, and as you walk down the hallway, your skin will begin to crawl for a different reason. In the stairwell, you may see something shift in a dark corner. Mm -mm. The empty hallway suddenly feels crowded. Every room you enter feels like someone just left. Someone who has been there a long, long time. A lot of guests have these thoughts at the hotel I'm talking about today. Welcome to the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. You paid for your room, gotten your key, and unpacked your bags. And you don't know just yet how long you might be staying. Even before the construction of the Crescent Hotel, Eureka Springs was a special place. Nestled in the heart of the Ozark Mountains, Eureka Springs was named for its springs, more than 60 of them, that bubbled up with supposedly magical healing water. Okay. Oh, I'm into this. People of various indigenous tribes long visited the springs to visit and bathe in the sacred water. In 1854, a pioneer named named Alva Jackson stumbled upon the springs he'd heard of in legends and stories and tried some of the healing water on his son's eye, which had become cloudy and infected after an accident. The boy's eye healed. Alba was convinced the magic of the water was real, and he set up a medical practice. I'm into it. Let's do it. During the Civil War, he treated soldiers from both sides, including a judge named L.B. Saunders. Within two months, Saunders' leg, which had been mangled by a bullet, was healed, and Saunders was convinced that the water was what healed him, and he helped Alva turn the woodsy community into a real city. 
Together, they officially named the town Eureka Springs in the summer of 1879. News of its magic water spread like wildfire. People said it could cure everything from baldness to problems with pregnancy to hay fever, later to cancer. People moved to Eureka Springs and set up businesses and shops for those staying in town while they searched for a cure and the wealthy that vacationed in Eureka Springs for several months each year. And on May 1st, 1886, Eureka Springs' own luxury hotel, the Crescent Hotel, opened as a year-round resort. The hotel helped transform the town into a place called the Little Switzerland of America. Oh my God, how cute. Yeah, because of all the grand Victorian buildings nestled up in the mountains. Very scenic. It cost $294,000 to build the Crescent, and it was quickly nicknamed the Grand Old Lady of the Ozarks. General Powell Clayton oversaw construction and hired an architect named Isaac Taylor, who brought in stonework specialists all the way from Ireland. Two-foot-long stones were brought from the quarry, and the stonemasons cut them so precisely that the walls fit together without needing mortar to hold the stones in place. Cool. And then, before the hotel even opened... Tragedy cracked the hotel's luxurious facade that led to tales of ghosts that guests still claim to see today. Mm-hmm. Time now for the tale of the ghosts of Eureka Springs. One of those stonemasons was a young man named Michael. Michael had a reputation for being a charmer, a ladies' man, more interested in women walking by his job than the job itself. Day after day, he could be seen leaning out of the window of whatever room he was working on, waving to the girls passing by down on the street below. One hot afternoon, Michael wasn't paying attention to what he was doing, busy looking down at a cute maid carrying a load of laundry beneath him. He called out hello to her and they talked for a while. And then maybe it was because of the heat making Michael's grip on the window slippery, or maybe he just leaned out a little too far to talk to her. When she turned to walk away and he yelled, wait, don't go. He slipped. As the girl turned around, she watched with horror as Michael lost his footing and fell three floors to the ground below, where a sickening crack echoed as he landed on a pile of rocks. Blood pooled under his limp body. He died instantly from the fall. Not having any family in the area, he was quickly buried in the woods behind the hotel. Everyone wanted to forget the disaster that happened from the window of room 218, but Michael wouldn't allow himself to be forgotten. Since shortly after his death, many of the guests who have stayed in room 218 have checked out the hotel more than a little spooked after seeing a dark shape in their peripheral vision the night before. Mm -mm. They looked tired. They didn't sleep well because they kept hearing their closet and bathroom doors slamming shut. Or when they tried to open those doors, they couldn't. Or worst of all, when they walked to the bathroom for a glass of water in the middle of the night... They saw two hands coming out of the bathroom mirror, (sighs) grasping as though looking for something to pull them up. (sighs) Hands that slipped back into the mirror and then disappeared. That's fucking awful. How could you sleep again after seeing something like that, lying there in your bed, wondering if the next time, whatever it was that tried to pull itself through that mirror, what if it actually succeeded? Female guests have claimed they felt something in bed beside them at night. A warm spot of energy pulling itself close to them. Uh-uh. Was it Michael trying to charm them, hoping to seduce them, hoping they'd stay with him forever? The hotel's initial prosperity after its grand opening didn't last long. The popularity of the Healing Springs soon waned for unknown reasons. Maybe people just didn't believe in the water anymore. In 1908, under new ownership, the hotel became a boarding school for young women. Oh, smart. And this boarding school would lead to the legend of another off-sighted ghost. An early advertisement in Cosmopolitan Magazine boasted, Crescent College and Conservatory for Women, on top of the Ozarks. 
famous for healthfulness and beauty of location, $300,000 fireproof building, rooms with private bath, elevator, accredited junior college, general courses, art, music, expression, domestic science. But one girl who attended wouldn't be made into a model young woman. She wouldn't live long enough. In the early 20s, a girl named Helen was 17 and about to return home to Chicago for Christmas when she received a letter from her father. The letter said that she should bring everything with her because she would not be returning to the school in the spring. She would be getting married instead. And Helen sobbed. She loved the school so much, she hated living with her father. She had no desire to marry whomever he said she must. So she decided to escape her father's vision for her future, and she drowned herself in the lake. Oh my. As she walked to the lake that night in her nightgown, she must have had to strain to see through the mist that enveloped the water that evening. It was reported to be especially thick. When the mist cleared the following morning, the groundskeeper found her body drifting face down, dead in the water. And according to legend, every year on the anniversary of her death, a dense mist now falls on the old hotel. And out of the mist, guests report seeing a young girl emerging from the lake, her nightgown trailing behind her. They hear her humming as she wanders the halls, looking for her old room, maybe trying to pack her bags, trying to accept her fate of returning home. But she'll now never make it to Chicago. She's trapped in the Ozarks forever. And once a year isn't the only time people see her. Every Christmas, an enormous tree is set up in a corner of the hotel's dining room. And years ago, a few days before Christmas, the manager unlocked the hotel to find that all of the decorative Christmas presents under the tree had been strewn all over the room. The manager thought it was a prank, Mm -hmm. even though he distinctly remembered locking the dining room doors the night before. And he put the presents back under the tree. The next morning, when he unlocked the doors, he saw that packages in the tree had moved to the center of the room with all the dining room's chairs in a circle around it as if to say, sit. You wanted to have Christmas, so let's have it. When he put the chairs back, all of the menus on the tables flew up to the ceiling and then fell down to the ground as if whatever was there was upset. Was it the ghost of Helen? And sometimes a member of the hotel staff has looked into the Victorian mirrors of the hotel and seen a young girl standing behind them, staring sadly at herself. And then she seems to evaporate into mist. In 1934, the school for girls went out of business. And three years later, a man named Norman Baker purchased the old hotel, and Norman would be the author of by far the darkest chapter of the hotel's history. Norman Baker was an interesting man to say the least. He was a former vaudeville performer, the inventor of the air calliophone, a machine that played calliope music. That's your favorite. (laughs) My favorite. He traveled the world with a troupe of performers that claimed to do magical tricks like seeing into the future. He was a snake oil salesman, a professional con man. He knew how to get people to trust him, how to take advantage of that trust, and he took advantage of so many in Eureka Springs. He looked successful. Norman drove a hand-hammered, coach-built, cord automobile, custom-painted, and electric lavender. He wore dark, chalk-striped three-piece suits in the winter, white suits and matching shoes in the summer, and lilac shirts (laughs) year-round. Funny. He sported a diamond horseshoe stick pin and a watch fob as heavy as an anchor chain. Norman Baker turned the hotel into a medical clinic. He named it the Castle in the Air, nicknamed it, and claimed that he, a world-renowned doctor, had the cure for cancer. Oh. But he had no such thing. He broadcasted advertisements for his miracle cure over the radio, reaching sick people coast to coast with a golden promise. He could help them, but he couldn't because he wasn't a doctor. And his lies would soon turn deadly. His cure for cancer was no more than some water, corn silk, carbolic acid, and ground-up watermelon seeds. What? 
He would inject this concoction wherever he thought it might work, often into patients' eyeballs or into holes that he drilled into their skulls. Yeah. Norman was a monster, truly a mad scientist. He had one wing of the building sealed off, labeling it a psychiatric ward. Yeah, I bet. There, his patients, crying out in pain, would be sequestered away from prying eyes so they wouldn't deter additional people from being conned and tortured as well. He experimented with reckless abandon, and when someone eventually died, and so many died, Norman disposed of them by shoving them down a chute where the corpses piled up in a disposal room. Ugh. No bodies could be taken to the morgue during the day because the clinic claimed to have a 100% success rate. (laughs) At night, a nurse would arrive and one by one place each dead body on a gurney and wheel it down to the morgue. Oh, my God. What an awful job. She was the only one allowed to be in this portion of the building. The only sound that filled the halls would be the creaking of her gurney as it rolled down the halls and the thump sound of another body hitting the slab. And today, nearly a century after she moved the bodies, guests claimed to still hear her. Beginning around 11.30 each night, they hear the creaking of her gurney as it rolls down the hallway and her shuffling footsteps following behind it. Sometimes they feel the tug of a hand on their foot as they sleep, as though the nurse has mistaken them for a dead body and is trying to drag them off to the morgue. Sometimes they hear a quiet chuckle. Some guests have claimed to hear her speak, to say stuff like, You're a heavy one, aren't you? When they open their eyes, some have claimed to actually see her, an older, solidly built woman with gray hair and flat, dead eyes, leaning over them, wearing a little white cap, a neatly pressed uniform, and no name tag. No name tag needed if you only interact with the dead. Once word began to trickle out about what was going on in Baker Hospital, the people of Eureka Springs reported him and his history of fraud drew the attention of the FBI. After a standoff with local police and the FBI, he was finally imprisoned, sadly not for long. He would go on to commit more acts of quackery, but that's not a part of the Crescent Hotel story. The residents were so angry by what had happened that they broke down the doors and trashed the place, even tried to burn the building down. But someone or something prevented that by supposedly turning on sprinklers that hadn't worked in years. Weird. Maybe the ghostly inhabitants of the Crescent Hotel were fighting for their building. For years, the building passed from owner to owner, was used intermittently. In 1997, the building was purchased by Marty and Elise Ronick, who oversaw an expensive six-year restoration and renovation. When the hotel reopened as a hotel for the first time in over 100 years, new reports of hauntings immediately followed. Guests to the newly renovated hotel have often come back after a night of sightseeing and fine dining, only to see apparitions like what appears to be an 80-year-old woman in front of room 419, searching for her key. Do you have my key? She'll ask the guests and then disappear into the wall. And when guests take a picture of their vacation posing in the hotel's lobby, they might not see what's behind them at first. But when they take out the photos, later some see the little the grin of a little boy hovering around their knees. Or they'll, see, or they'll see a man in Victorian clothing standing behind them giving a small smile. Who are these ghosts? What forgotten stories are they a part of? How and when did they die and what did their deaths have to do with the hotel? Sometimes a person doesn't appear at all, but the guests will come back to find the luggage they'd unpacked piled back into their open suitcases, flung haphazardly by someone or something trying to tell them to get out. One time, a repairman left his tools in the basement, then he popped back down to quickly grab them before heading out for the night. As he descended the stairs, all of a sudden, all the washers and dryers came on simultaneously, rocking back and forth, flashing the lights on their displays. He quit and never came back. 
One morning, the cook Steve was slicing vegetables for the night's diner or night's dinner, when all the pots flew off their hooks and crashed to the floor, but not one of them touched him. In fact, the pots and pans made a perfect circle around him. After all these occurrences, owner Elise Roenick hired two mediums, Ken Fugate and Carol Heath, to read the building. The mediums came to believe that the Crescent Hotel contained a portal to the other side, to a dimension that holds the spirits of the dead that can be accessed by those on the same frequency as the ghosts. After hearing this, Elise decided to start a ghost tour with the information she had from the mediums. Sounds like a terrible idea. And when she started her ghost tour, she quickly saw that each group experienced the same thing. In a certain doorway, a few guests in every group would suddenly turn pale. Some would even fall against and slide down the wall and faint. When Elise asked her hotel manager, Ken, why he thought this was happening, Ken remembered that the doorway was the specific place that the mediums had identified as being the portal. This doorway was directly above Norman Baker's former morgue. Could the medium be right? Can there be portals to the world of the dead? Do certain places make it easier to access the world of the no longer living? And if you died near this portal, would you become another permanent guest of the haunted Crescent Hotel? Yeah. A lot of activity reported there for a long time. A lot of activity. What is it now? Uh, I believe it now is the Crescent, you know, the, the restored Crescent Hotel. Oh, it still is. Mm-hmm. So you can still stay there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you uh, want to go? I mean, if we were going through there, yeah, I mean, it's really pretty. I do have some pictures. Okay. It's like a, so this first one is like uh, the hotel when it was originally built. All right. Oh, wow. It's a pretty grand hotel. Yeah. Really? I mean, I know it's just a sepia tone photo, but it's really pretty. This next one's a more recent picture. Okay. So the restored version. Show me what you got. That's beautiful. Yeah. I would totally stay there. And then uh, this next photo is a mugshot of Norman Baker. So that's that. And there's like, he's all story into himself. He went on to do a lot more quackery and I know, I'm, hurt a lot more people. I'm very intrigued by him. He seems like a time suck topic. He does. He does seem like a time suck. Yeah, because I'd never heard of him before and I couldn't believe that he pulled that off. And I was like, why wasn't he called like a serial killer? Well, because he was doing it under the guise of practicing mm. medicine. Mm-hmm. And so God knows how many people died. It reminded me of H.H. Holmes, this murder cast oh, in Chicago. Oh, interesting. Well, when you were saying the drilling in the head, I thought Ant Hill Kids. Oh, God, yeah. Now he was, I mean, that was the, the age of like the bottom. He's never like where people would do right. things like that. But this guy had zero medical training. I mean, he was just torturing people, you know, needlessly. He was helping no one. He was trying to grow some watermelons. <laughs> he was trying to grow watermelons. <laughs> uh, this next one is the morgue. Okay. That they give tours of with the ghost tour oh, now. As, as soon as you said that, I got the chills. Just morgue. My body was like, Yeah, uh-uh. who knows how many people made it down there. Ooh, what's that like weird picture? Hanging up. Uh, I think that is Norman Baker. If not, it's the hotel's founder. I'm not sure. It didn't say in the caption. I don't really know why that picture would be there. It feels out of place. Right. I I think it's either the founder of the hotel or I would guess. I'm just guessing, I guess. Or Norman Baker. Um, Very creepy. This next picture is the embalmer's table in the morgue there in like a weird little white mist that was caught above it on some tour. Oh, yeah, they were like taking a picture mm-hmm. over some lady's shoulder. I was so confused by the yep. woman for a second. Yeah, and there's the other guy's elbows, you know, part of some ghost tour photo. Yeah, it is kind of foggy over mm-hmm. the, the table. And here's a nighttime photo. I do love these nighttime photos of these mm-hmm. older hotels. Just a little spooky. That is spooky. <laughs> Yikes. It's so cool looking though. Really pretty. It's a really pretty hotel. But terrifying. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I have to say, yeah. before we discuss this, that right as you were starting this story, I took a sip of my coffee and yeah. burned the roof of my oh, mouth. Oh, no. I was just over here like, 
holding it in. Oh, Good job shit. holding it in. That's a terrible feeling. Oh, it's so awful. So awful. Okay. Um, okay, so going back in the story, I do have one question. What the fuck is domestic science? Oh, I, I know. I tried to like... I was like, what does that mean? I didn't, want to stop I didn't want to stop either, but I'm like, does that just mean home ec? Yeah, that, that, that's like a, uh, a fancy term. I mean, it, it was like a, uh, a school to create... Proper ladies, or how oh, you like want to a phrase it, school. right? Exactly. Got well, they, it. they weren't going to go into really into the workforce, or not in any kind of like leadership way. I, got I, it. I get. To, I got the feeling from what reading about it that it was more like for if you wanted to be an administrative assistant, or mostly to be a housewife and uh, to yeah. run the home. I was taking it since it was a boarding school. I just took it as like. Girls who were maybe not really willing to conform to society, mm. parents who had a little bit of money who said like, bullshit, I'm going to marry you off. or yeah. like, So you're yeah. going to go learn whether you like it or not. Right. We're going to turn you into a quote unquote lady. Lady. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, okay. So the the guy that like leans over. Yeah. Mike, Michael. Mike, Michael. Room 218. Oof. Yeah. That, that, was a, that one really creeped you out. Uh, yeah. Just because it, it feels like an accident that really just kind of thing that happens. Oh, yeah. People just do stupid Mm -hmm. things. Like when I see people window washing or I see, you know, like construction and they're way up there. I'm like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. (laughs) And of course you would haunt it. Mm -hmm. That'd be such a awful kind of death. The Norman Baker stuff was the stuff that got me the most. Okay, tell me why. that feels like a a season of like American Horror Story of something. Where just like, you know, God knows how many people were tormented so ruthlessly by this guy. And then just like dropping the bodies down the chute. Well, that it's little like, old lady that would get them. Oh I love how God. I just made her a little old lady, but like, mm-hmm. what's her deal? Who feels comfortable just who's moving de- dead bodies job? by themselves in the, at in night? In the middle of the night, knowing that this is like super shady. Yeah. I'm guessing, he, I don't know, must have paid her all right. Yeah, must have been desperate for work. Right, but, or that, yeah. But I would or absolutely, both. okay, if going back to Michael, mm-hmm. the mirror thing. I was yes, like, that I was, was a creepy okay. detail. Yeah, I was okay. I was okay. I'm like, okay, fine. I, even in my mind, I was thinking, okay, if we ever went to Arkansas and we stayed, I'm just, I can't help myself. Uh, we ever stayed at the Crescent Hotel, yeah. I would be okay with that room because, okay, like we could just stay up all night. I was actually building out okay. this whole scenario in my head. Like, okay. I bet it has a sweet little bar in the lobby. Well, I'm I don't want to drink too much. Okay. Because I, my theory is that I would want to stay up all night. I would want to drink a shitload of coffee and sit up and wait for the paranormal activity, mm-hmm. as opposed to like going asleep, going to sleep, and then hoping that the paranormal activity would wake me up. Because right. long term, that would fuck up my sleep for the rest of my life. Yeah. Because every time you go to sleep, you'd be like, "Ugh, something gonna happen." Right. Right. So I'd rather like sit and wait for it. So now I was picturing us sitting in two one eight, sitting on the bed, mm-hmm. chit chatting it up. You know me, I could talk for hours. <laughs> I'll keep you up. Mm-hmm. Doors opening, closing, a little shadow here. But then I know one of us would have to use the restroom. And then that would be a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. That would, oh man, that would mess me up. I did not care for that detail in particular because I already, mm. I didn't have like the mirror thing to the degree that you have the mirror thing. So now we're keeping the lights on in the bathroom tonight. <laughs> um, you, ready for the, you ready for the next story? This is a super weird one. Okay, I felt like there was something else I wanted to say about that. I was making little notes in my head. I was thinking burnt tongue, yeah, domestic a lot of, science. A lot of details in that. I, I think yeah, I have to sure. start making notes. Yeah, bring in a little do notepad. You, do you have a pen, Dan? I, uh, I, I do. You can have some notepads for Would you uh, the, mind sharing it with our me? next our next bunny man story. Yeah, because you know what? Honestly, just a little into my psyche here. You'll be telling a story and then you'll say a detail and I get so hung up on it that my mind starts going and I'm like, oh, I have to oh, ask yeah. you about that later. And if I 
then I'll just be trying to like remember that detail as you're talking in my it's like when you're trying to go to sleep and you're like, oh, I have to remember to do that first thing tomorrow. Right, and then right. you don't remember first thing tomorrow. Okay, bunny man. Okay, bunny man. Uh, so, so a little bit of setup for this one, not much. Okay. Uh, the legend of the bunny man began in 1970. Mm-hmm. That year, a young couple parked in a driveway not far from a train overpass. Good old-fashioned makeout spots. They had a terrifying encounter. Someone appeared very quickly, yelled something having to do with trespassing, and threw a hatchet at their car. Fuck. That's what uh, Brian Conley, Fairfax County historian, says. He says they did not get a very good look at the person. All they really got was dressed in white or light-colored clothing and may or may not have had something on his head. And that something may have been bunny ears. And the story was retold, uh, you know, and retold and retold and became, you know, eventually he definitely was wearing bunny ears. Who was this oddly dressed man appearing out of nowhere and throwing an axe at a car just southwest of Washington, D.C.? That's so weird. No one knows, but there's uh, now a lot of Bunny Man stories. Some may be true. Some are definitely urban legend. Part of the fear surrounding the Bunny Man stories, I think, is not knowing where the truth ends Mm -hmm. and the legend begins. For sure. So time now for the tale of Clifton, Virginia's Bunny Man. Before the arrival of European settlers, the present-day Clifton area, just 30 miles from Washington, D.C., was once the hunting grounds used by Algonquin-speaking members of the Dogue tribe. Then European settlers, composed mainly of Scottish merchants, created the first nearby port settlements of the area in the mid-1710s. Land near Clifton began to be settled shortly thereafter. During the Civil War, the U.S. Military Railroad Construction Corps built a second railroad next to the Orange and Alexandria Railroad in order to supply the Union Army with timber for railroads, bridges, and firewood. By the start of the 20th century, Clifton was a small farming community centered around a railroad stop, with a one-room schoolhouse, a general store, a post office, and a courthouse. Not much happened in Clifton. Yes, it was near America's capital, but it was also a sleepy little town. And then one day, according to the Bunny Man legend, everything changed. Douglas Griffin was in his early 20s, and he was a young man living in Clifton in the 1950s. He hadn't had a high school education, married in his late teens to a woman named Frances. They had a rocky marriage, they struggled with poverty, and they had a two-month-old daughter named June. Douglas picked up odd jobs wherever he could, and everyone in Clifton agreed that there was just something a little off about the guy. He had a flat affect, didn't blink a lot, and he was incredibly, strangely strong. One farmer saw him chop log after log after log for hours without ever needing or taking a break or taking a drink of water. In the weeks leading up to Easter Sunday, Francis insisted that they go to her parents' house for a big family meal. They would bring the baby June. Douglas agreed, and on Easter Sunday, they set out for the two-hour drive. After about an hour, their car got stuck in some mud. As Francis and Douglas tried to unstick the car, Francis threw up her hands, and she shouted, You always do this. You always find some reason that we shouldn't do what I want to do. And with that, she supposedly marched off into the woods with her baby in her arms. That's a weird reaction. Douglas was furious. How was this what he wanted? His hands began to shake. He could feel a pounding in his head, a ringing like an alarm bell. How dare she? And then something inside him snapped. He grabbed a hatchet from the trunk of the car, walked into the woods after Francis, and then Francis and baby June were never seen alive again. Eventually, when she didn't show up at her family's that afternoon and didn't call that day or the next, Francis's family notified the police. Authorities found Douglas at his house, calmly smoking a cigarette on the front porch. And when they asked him when he had last seen his family, he said that he and Francis had had an argument. She walked off. He looked for her until sundown. 
And then he finally gave up and went home, hoping that she would meet him there. And she never did. And the police did not believe him. Mm-hmm. Why hadn't he called the authorities when his wife was missing for more than a day? An intensive search of the area was organized with the involvement of the Fairfax County Police, Washington detectives, and Boy Scouts. At about five in the evening, just as the searchers were about to give up for the night, one of the detectives noted that the ground on which they were standing was very soft. They started digging, and soon they saw the mangled, torn-apart bodies of Francis and baby June. They'd been hacked to bits with an axe, then carelessly buried. The trial that would follow was short. Douglas's lawyer claimed his client was insane. And when the verdict came in, it was that Douglas should spend the rest of his life in a mental asylum located a couple miles up the road... They let him out of the courtroom in handcuffs, and he had that same vacant look on his face. Clifton residents didn't like the idea of Douglas being so uh, held so close to their homes. They couldn't get the image of Francis's and June's mangled corpses out of their heads. They petitioned the state legislature to move him. The state legislature agreed. A new asylum was being built in a remote part of Virginia, and they transferred Douglas and other patients by bus to this new asylum when it opened. Or at least they tried to. It was a rainy day, and the bus driver was told to move quickly. People were yelling behind him. It was hard to concentrate. He kept His eyes kept darting off to the sides to make sure his handcuffed passengers were staying in their seats. And when he looked back at the road, a deer darted in front of the bus. He swerved, the bus tipped over, and crashed with a horrible grinding of metal against the asphalt. In the cloud of smoke, no one could see anyone else. And when they did a head count later, one person was missing. Shit. Douglas Griffin. Police searched the nearby woods for hours. They figured that eventually something would have to show up. A piece of tattered clothing, a shoe, maybe even Douglas himself, either alive or dead. But all the police found as the weeks stretched into months were the bodies of rabbits. Ugh. Dismembered with their spines practically ripped out of their bodies. Bloody, torn apart, big bites taken out of their meat. Ugh. He's eating them, said one detective. He's staying alive by eating the rabbits. Eventually, the officers gave up their search. They figured, how long could one person live in the woods eating rabbits, foraging? And then after a long while, they forgot the strange and violent life of Douglas Griffin. Decades later, in 1970, a couple was parked in a driveway not far from a train overpass, and a man appeared out of nowhere and threw an axe at their car, shattering the windshield. Was that man Douglas Griffin? After that, the residents of Clifton started seeing a man with bunny ears in their backyards, ransacking their garages, even once in a home. You know, she had, the homeowner entered the home to find their household pet mangled and gutted. People wondered, had the bunny man finally run out of bunnies to eat, or had he just gotten a little more unhinged? Then a couple years later, a group of teenagers, Alan, Mikey, Paige, and David, were bored and their boredom would lead to a particularly gruesome encounter with the bunny man. It was Halloween night... They'd been to a couple parties, but by midnight, everything had been shut down by tired parents and complaining neighbors. Piling into Mikey's sedan, the teens drove around aimlessly. They spoke of being excited to go to college next year, about what it would be like to leave their small town and live in the city. Eventually, Mikey pulled over by a bridge with a rail line at the top and a road running under the bridge. Want to just get drunk here? He asked his friends. They all agreed. It was as good a place as any. They got out of the car, popped the trunk, and pulled out a case of beer. After a while, David and Alan started messing around, probably acting drunker than they really were, and they started to push each other. Then David ran to the overpass and tried to scale the side of it and quickly fell off. Alan ran up the hill onto the other side and managed to get on top. Guys, get down from there, Paige called. Come back to the car. But if they responded, she didn't hear him. 
dicks, Mikey said. Let's go find him. The two climbed the hill and scrambled onto the overpass. It was creepy up there, Paige thought. You could see all the cars coming and going, but they couldn't see you. When she tore her eyes away from the road, she was alone. Mikey? She called. David? Alan? Then something hit her in the side of the head and she saw a burst of white light. When she opened her eyes later, she saw them. Mikey, David, and Alan. Strung up like dead rabbits. Gutted and disemboweled, their bodies hanging over the side of the bridge. And then someone or something was standing over them. A tall figure wearing the face of a rabbit over his own face. He was crusted in dirt and sticks and she could see the blood under his fingernails, dry and crusting on his hands. And then he raised his axe overhead and swung it down and it was the last thing she ever saw. Is the story real? Who knows? Maybe, probably. It's just an urban legend. But is it based in truth? Has there really been some axe-wielding psychopath living in the woods around Clifton, Virginia? Many continue to claim to see the bunny man lurking in the shadows of bridges and swinging his axe back and forth, waiting for another victim, surviving off of whatever meat comes his way. According to the legend, the bunny man is still out there, and not believing in him doesn't mean he won't find you. Ah. Just a weird, creepy story, right? So weird. And some really creepy pictures with it. Oh, I bet. I'm not excited about this. Okay, so picture number one. This is uh, the bunny man. This is the picture that comes up a lot with his story. Oh, okay. Kind of a crazy one. Kind of crazy and feels totally not plausible. Yeah, yeah. This is some, you know, somebody's interpretation of the bunny man. Who's uh, also wearing a vest. <laughs> right. Ah, bunny man's formal. Yeah, well. He's going to have some drinks later. Fancy pants. Uh, this is the tunnel in Virginia. Okay. Where I think that uh, last story was supposedly happened. You can see the little bunny man hiding down there in the tunnel. I guess. See the shadow? Yeah, yeah. I can see. His, you can see his ears. Look in the back left of the tunnel. I know, but like, okay. And then this next one is okay, just okay. Oh okay. yeah, okay. Zoomed in. Yeah. There yeah. You go. Now nice, I see nice it. Nice job, Zach. I thought it was just like a. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Don't care for that. And then here's this uh, next one. I just super creepy bunny dude photo. <laughs> Look at this oh weird. Oh my god! What is that? This is somebody. And again, for uh, new listeners, you can find these pictures on the the Instagram and Facebook for Scared to Death. But this is somebody just dressed up in an Easter Bunny costume. What year is that? I don't know. I'm guessing like the 40s. Fuck. That is so creepy. I can't so believe that creepy. kid is not crying. Oh, well, these next kids are crying. This is, this is one of the- Can you blame them? This is one of the funniest pictures. I remember seeing this picture for the first time years ago, and it, I died. Oh, my Whose God. Whose idea is this? This is a, somebody, like a, probably a, a dad real... at home. <laughs> dressed up, that? Dressed up in a crazy bunny costume, complete with like, you know, like paw kind of gloves and everything, holding a baby- and I'm guessing like a three or four year old, maybe like a like barely four. It almost looks like an antelope, like a yeah. like a, like a jackalope. Jackalope, yeah. Just the ears are like straight up on the bunny. Well, it looks like real. It looks like taxidermy. Yes. It doesn't look like a costume. But it's a huge head. So yeah, yeah. But you're right. Uh, it's, it's a costume, and these kids are freaking out. I'm freaking out. I'm guessing that's uh, some you know dad thought that'd be hilarious for like a, sure. an, an Easter picture. Yeah, and it is, and he was right. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Crushed Nailed it. it. Good job, dad. Um. How how old was Douglas when he uh, don't know murdered don't his know. family? Because I was just thinking, like he could still be out there. Yeah, theoretically, if it was in the fifties, yeah, he'd be like he'd be my grandpa Ward's age. He'd be in his eighties. Well, maybe he's a very angry Papa Ward. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, your your yeah. grandfather can still wield a wax, a wield an axe. Yeah, he can wield an axe. Yeah, he still can uh, chop some firewood. Yeah, so would, it would. 
I don't care how old somebody, I would, even if it, I cannot speak, what the fuck? Even if an old man came at me in the woods with an axe, unexpectedly, <laughs> I would still be fucking terrified. And like the horror movie version, and, and, and again, you know, admittedly, all these stories are, you know, uh, just speculation. Sure. You know, and the urban legends more so. But uh, they're written, you know, like like a horror movie or, or laid out like a horror movie. But I mean, in, in horror movies, whenever they have like a, I'm thinking of like Poltergeist 2 and some horror movies, when they have a very old man character. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's something, I feel like it's the same thing as like, it's scary for the same reason in a way that little kids in horror movies are scary. Uh, a little kid is not supposed to be intimidating. Right, right. Uh, an 85-year-old man is not supposed to be intimidating. They're, they're usually like the least threatening people. They're usually the most peaceful, the most helpless. Right. And in horror movies, when they flip that and you have like an 85-year-old man with an axe who wants to cut your fucking head off or you have like a little kid who wants yeah. to gut you or something, it's like, guys, it's just, no, that's not, you're not supposed to be in that category. Right, it doesn't compute. And then, if the, and, th- and then I think in my brain, I'm like, it just really opens the door for them to be extra terrifying because if they're already not su- not supposed to be – they're acting in a way that's not not what you think they're supposed to act like. Uh-huh. Then it's like, well, how much further can it go? Pretty far, my like, friend. It feels like all the rules have been broken. So you just it's, a, it's the fear of the unknown. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Uh, I did not like – as soon as you said that they decided to move everybody from one insane asylum to another, I was like, oh, fuck. This does not end well. Haven't you seen mm-hmm. Con Air? <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, huh. Mm-hmm. I can't believe they couldn't find him. That's sort of... That's urban legend. I, doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Well, they found, it, they found him, then we don't have a good story. I know. Uh, but still. That's like... That's that like, little detail, like, I was like, oh, come on. He can't be that tricky. Can't if he's a monster. He, well... That's, that's what people get with like horror movies. They're like, oh, God, why can't you just get out of there? Because it's a fucking monster. That's why. But but he's not like a monster like uh, Supernatural. You don't he's know just that. a terrible fucking killer. You don't know what the bunny man is. Might have okay. started off as Douglas, and now he's Michael Myers. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. He was he anything. wearing real bunny ears? That was one thing that like wasn't I and initially when you were saying that like this like young couple was like making out under an underpass and you said wearing bunny ears I thought you meant like a costume and then it wasn't until later that you were talking about the gutted bunnies I was like oh shit like real bunny ears no he bought him a he bought him at a five and dime stop it and then he went he went the same uh, uh, run of supplies he went back into town he went to the five and dime he's like hey I need guys I'm insane and I want to kill people in the woods and I'm, I just need a bunny ear. And I need some overalls because that's extra creepy. And uh, I'm gonna need an axe. I'm gonna need a hatchet. What's Can your? Can you, you have... shut up? <laughs> Nobody well, knows. Nobody knows. Well, of course. But when you tell the story, mm-hmm. uh, clearly, it would be bunny ears from bunnies that he killed. Probably. Yeah. It's, a, it's a good guess. Homemade bunny ears. I mean, it's most probable. Most probable. Because where was he getting money to go to the five and dime? I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Exactly. He killed people and he took their money. Hey, yeah, yeah. What's creepy? I think that we have, don't we have a creepy bunny head at home? Weren't you a terrifying bunny one year for Halloween with the kids? Uh, I'm picturing it. Yep. Yeah, I, I, was I don't unicorn. think we have that mask anymore. I was a unicorn. But yeah, I think I was like an evil bunny. Uh, I think we do have it. Ooh, that'd be sweet. Why isn't that here in the office? Uh, well, I'm not privy to the stories ahead of time. Why am I not telling stories always in my bunny head <laughs> costume? How's it going to be tonight when you wake up and I'm standing over you with the bunny mask on? Wearing nothing else? That might be weirdly hot. <laughs> Never fucked a rabbit before. Oh, good Lord. I don't have a tail, though. Oh, man. All we right. Can, we can figure something out. 
I just get like a wad of cotton balls, <laughs> attach them to a belt. There you go. Get it real weird. How are you thinking? Oh yeah, yeah. That would be a great prank. Yeah, actually. <laughs> I was thinking of pranks to play on you during this. And then any time I want to play a prank on you, I'm like, nope, you would do it back to me. I think. Probably. And then that would be awful. And I would cry. And, you know, <laughs> it's got to be like an agreed upon one way street. I can yeah. terrify you. This is the limit of your terrifying me. After your stories, I'm going to talk about my plank. Prank. Your plank? I, can you my plank? My plank. No, my prank that I pulled on Kyder this past week. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll wait till after the story, so. Okay. And and then I need to talk about some things that have been happening in our house that I have not been telling you about. Okay. I was waiting for this. Yes. Are you already rolling your eyes? No. Mm-hmm. You sure are. Do you have your squishy squishy? I do. Okay. Okay. So uh, our first story comes from an anonymous listener um a little native american kind of background to it hey dan and Lindsay, i'm not the best writer but this experience has stuck with me my entire life even writing it out now gives me chills i'd like to think it's the reason i'm in my late 20s and still scared of the dark completely understand Hopefully I did it justice in conveying how truly terrifying this was for me and sorry if the setup is a little bit long My family is Native American and my parents were very involved with practice and the belief system and traditions My dad was a medicine man and my whole childhood consisted of campouts and sweat lodge ceremonies cool. We even had a lodge in our backyard from an early age, my parents would tell me whenever I got scared at night It was because I could sense when spirits were around that scared me, and I don't know why they thought this would be helpful. <laughs> but I had always completely trusted my gut feelings. When I was 13, my parents separated, and my mom, my brothers, and sister and I moved to a very small town in Northern California. My dad became a long-haul truck driver and would visit us when he could, and sometimes we'd get to go on little trips with him. He moved in with an elder medicine man and longtime, I'm sorry, we moved in with an elder medicine man and longtime family friend. He was the one who taught my dad the old ways. We were going to stay with him and help him out around the house as he was getting older and lived alone. The property was a couple of acres and about five miles outside of the actual town. The house was a large two-story house with a back deck that connected to a side door to the garage. There was a set of stairs leading up from the land in the back to the deck, and we were right next to the side garage door. So it's sort of mm -hmm. like this back system. Yeah. I, I can yeah. picture it. Can mm -hmm. you? Mm -hmm. I can okay. too, yeah. Inside the garage from the side door, there was a small hallway with a door to a room. The hallway then continued into the rest of the main garage, where there was also stairs leading to a large loft. My sister and I shared a room inside the garage. Mm -hmm. We admitted to each other that on occasion, we thought we had heard footsteps in the loft above our room at night, and we also always felt like we were being watched whenever we were in the hallway. But, they, but we were always together, and I had a dog, so we didn't think much of it. One night, my sister was staying at a friend's house, and so I had the room to myself. I was in the main house in the computer room, back when there used to be computer rooms, chatting with my friends on MySpace. When I decided to go to bed, I left the house through the back door and onto the deck. I didn't feel anything out of the ordinary, but as soon as I opened the side door of the garage and started to enter, I immediately felt I was not alone. I felt the, air, the hair on the back of my neck stand up and my body go stiff. I ran quickly to my room, shut the door, locked it, and jumped onto my bed and held onto my dog. I sat there alert and unmoving for what seemed like forever, but was probably only about 30 seconds or so. Mm -hmm. It was very quiet. 
Living out there, it usually was, but this seemed different this time. And then I heard something. I heard a voice ask for help. It sounded like a child's child's voice, but like I said, my youngest brother... Sorry. I heard a voice ask for help. It sounded like a child's voice, kind of like my youngest brother, who would have been six at the time. But he was traveling with our dad and not even in the state at the time. Then I heard something walking very slowly up the wooden stairs next to the garage door. I say something because of the way the footsteps sounded. They sounded like, they didn't sound like human feet, but instead sounded like large, heavy claws, not soft like paws. I could now hear it walking in the garage hallway, and it again asked for help. But this time, it called me by my nickname. Momo, help me. What? I was frozen with fear. The air felt so heavy and wrong. I could hear it walking in the hallway until it stopped right in front of my door. And again, it said, Momo, help me. I didn't hear it speak again or leave. I refused to open or open my door or move. So I stayed inside on my bed until I eventually heard my mom's voice outside calling for the cat. I ran to the window and started banging on it, crying hysterically for her. I I was not able to go out into the hallway. I had to wait for my mom and she came and she got me. And I honestly don't remember a lot of what happened right after this. But I remember that my mom told me she believed me. I thought it was strange that my dog had absolutely no reaction during the whole incident. He just slept on the bed right next to me. The weirdest part about this whole story is that a few days later, the garage burned down. The house was not damaged and no one was hurt during the fire, but the garage was completely gone along with everything my sister and I had ever owned. After this happened, it felt like a peace had settled over the house and we moved, moved out shortly after. My mom told me later that she believed the old man had either been dealing with dark energies or had someone sending those energies with intent to do harm. I guess I'll never really know. Thanks for reading. Love the podcast and have been recommending it to everyone I know. Keep up the great work. Oh, thank you so much for recommending the podcast. That's so nice. And then in that story, yeah, I, I got um, it, it took me out of it just for a moment because of, obviously of Momo. Yeah, it's what we call our daughter. Yeah, it's a nickname for uh, yeah Monroe. And uh, yeah, I was thinking like M- Momo definitely never needs to hear this story. I, 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 honestly, as I was reading it, I like so I was like, okay, should I tell him ahead of time like about the nickname yeah, or not? Yeah. Because when I got to that part, I was like, oh what? no, Momo, I know. And then I I, I love the uh, I mean, suck if it happens to you, but the detail of you know footsteps on the stairs when you can hear and it just doesn't sound like normal feet uh-huh. and like something hard. Yeah, you know, with like claws as opposed to like a soft pad of an animal. Right. Almost. I bet there was even it, like maybe like a clacking. Mm-hmm. I could hear that in my head. I was just picturing something like really like bony and just like some. Ugh. Yeah. Just like what? Yeah. What about it burning down? I know that the the end of the story there that it just like just that burned down and then not any part of the rest of that. You know, yeah, the, it doesn't make the sense. House. Yeah, because right. like if if the garage is here and there was a a deck portion or like a walkway, right. if you will, that connected <sighs> to a deck to the house, theoretically, you would think it was the deck was made of wood. So how did the fire I not spread? It just seems if the wall, yeah, 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 sketchy Add, adds that paranormal kind of element of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, creepy, creepy, creeptastic. That's one of those things that, but as a little kid, where you're so bummed that you lost all of your stuff. Obviously, yeah. But also so relieved if you right. thought like that your stuff was connected to this place that you didn't now, you, you know, you know, you never have to go back to because it's That's true. burned to the ground. Yeah. So weird, like good news, good news, bad news combo there. So good news. You don't have to deal with it. Bad news. All your stuff's burnt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
good news for me yeah. there's a solution to the problem in our house bad news for you I'm burning the house down <laughs> insurance fraud if there's ever uh, I, too, too many ghosts is it insurance fraud if if I have a reason I don't think that reason counts for insurance <laughs> I don't think you're like, oh, I had to burn it down. There was demons. There were demons inside. Probably yeah. not. Then no. I become like a wackadoodle. Mm. So I don't think that holds up in court. All right, fine. All right, so this little story comes from Cincinnati, Ohio, which, you know, I love Ohio because that's where I'm from. Got to give Three a little ways. love. What? Three ways. Three ways? Mm-hmm. That's what I think of when I think of Cincinnati. What? Spaghetti noodles, chili, Oh. cheese. I was like, menage a trois, what? I, th- I thought you were- Gold on- star chili. Skyline. Skyline. Mm-hmm. Both of them. Okay, I do like it though. I do like, I do like chili with spaghetti noodles. It's weird yeah, it's, and delicious. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Ready? Mm-hmm. All right. This podcast is spooky, and I love it. I love the paranormal, but with this experience, I fear it more than I used to. I used to go ghost hunting with my family and friends. We have gone to multiple places, such as Waverly Hills, multiple asylums, sanatoriums, and jails, and so on. But the one place that really stands out is the Cincinnati Reformatory. This place has its history of violence, priests that have raped children. The basement is known for a ring of dog fights and many other things. But the one place that really got me was the attic. I followed my mom and her co-workers and some neighbors of ours to this attic while some of the others went down to investigate the basement. We trudged up there and I automatically didn't like the feel of the room. Something about it felt ominous, but I sat down next to my mother in the circle they had created with the chairs. There was nothing up there but a table we set the flashlight there for the test that we knew was about, uh, for the test that we knew about where the spirits can flip it on or off. So here I am sitting with my back facing the wall, maybe like two feet away from the wall, mm-hmm. the ground itself cement, and we begin to ask questions. My mom's coworker begins by asking if there's something there, and we hear a gunshot. This is a noise that has been said to have been heard throughout the night while nobody is there. So we ask another question. Are you a demon? And if that was, and if that was, please, can you make another noise? First off, I absolutely hate this question, and I don't want to know if it's true or not. Mm -hmm. Well, lo and behold, from behind me, what sounds like claws start scratching the ground, and it starts running towards me. I quickly stand up, my neighbor next to me doing the same thing, and she has started crying at this point, and the flashlight flips on itself as if to say, yes. So immediately, I look at my mom and go, I'm done. And needless to say, that was the quickest I've ever gone down a set of stairs. I wanted to leave that place and go home, but we couldn't because we had rented the place for the night and had no way of locking the doors. And so I refused to go into the attic again. Now jump ahead a couple of months after that, my parents and I were invited to go back for another tour by my mother's coworker. I said, absolutely not, Mm -hmm. and refused to go, for which I am glad I did. The owners of the place hated being alone in there while they had to clean, so they would leave little recorders around the house as they worked. The week before my family went, the owners said the hallway smelled like decay for a full week. The owner also proceeded to tell my mother, who the owner did not know my name at this time, that they heard a name being called in the attic. When my mom asked what the name was, just for curiosity's sake, the woman said that something was calling the name Sarah. After that experience, Uh. I cannot go ghost hunting, and I refuse to. Luckily, the owners shut that place down due to their own issues of it taking over their personal lives, and now no one can tour it anymore, but I would never go near it, even if that was an option. Thanks for reading my story. I look forward to listening to 
you all and the other spooks you share. Uh-huh. Sarah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 I figured that was, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's interesting that she did, does, won't go ghost hunting anymore. That's it. She's know, done. That. Yeah. I think that's how I would be. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why I like this story. Cause I was like, oh, if I went to, you know, Arkansas and we stayed at that hotel and I had one experience, that's right. it. I have one experience verified by someone else and I'm fucking done. Just so you know, like we're doing right. this podcast. One thing happens that is definitely that you're like, yep. Saw that too. This, this shit's over. Someone else is going to have to sit in this chair. <laughs> There's no way. Yeah, to see something like, yeah, definitely verified. Do you feel differently? Uh, no, that would change. That, that would be a huge change. I, I was thinking of like the little uh, claws she heard like coming up behind her in the attic. And if, uh, yeah, that would be such a weird thing where, well, I, th- I think about Joe. I think about Joe's experience, you know, uh, oh, yeah. many months ago now where he walked home. He hears somebody from the kitchen area of his home. Hello? Or was, you know, hello. Yeah, like that. Yeah, hello. And then it's just like, wait, what? Like, that can't be. Mm -hmm. And then after that, his daughter goes, Dad, did you just hear somebody say hello? Uh Uh-huh. That's the part where I'd be like, what? No. It was Maxine, I think, was that ghost's name, if I recall correctly. But if it was that, if it, but if it was that version, I mean, like, you know, hello is, you know, is fairly, fairly harmless. Right. I but, guess but that it, wouldn't do me in. Right. But if it was something, if it was that same kind of thing where you see a creepy little man, you know, like in the corner of the room with like red eyes ah. or some little thing. And he's like scurrying around in the shadows and moving in like a weird way and like, you know, moves in a very certain direction and exits. Right. And then you don't share any of that. And then the person you're with says, yes. oh, my God, did you just see a creepy little dark shadowy man in the corner scurry around and then pop out that window? <sighs> I'd be like, oh, uh, uh, that would change everything. Right. That would change everything to have it verified like that. I agree. Yeah. No, thank you. Ha. I have one more for you. Okay. Just to tie it all up. We have another uh, American Indian story. So I thought okay. that was a nice little sandwich here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Ready? Yeah. Okay. First off, I wanted to say I love your podcast. Thank you. Thanks. It's so nice. My coworkers got me hooked on Time Suck, and from there I got hooked on Scared to Death, and I am a creeper. I need to sum up a couple of things before I get to my story to help you understand a little bit more about me. I was born with a veil, which in my Indian heritage says that I have a sixth sense, Mm. and I can see, hear, and feel all the things that go bump in the night. All of my life, I've seen shadow people, and they see me. Although they've never really bothered me, I know. Although they've never really bothered me, I still see them everywhere. I can also feel the evil that exists in some places. I can walk into a room and know exactly where the entity is and how evil it is. I can feel it following me around a room. I can also walk past people and feel the horrible things that reside inside them, and they know that I know because they will turn around and give me such evil smiles that make my skin crawl. Mm hmm. Anyway, several years ago, I started dating this guy. He told me he had been into black magic, but had gotten away from it. He also said that he still had a footlocker with all of his books, dark magic books, and Ouija board inside of it. I could feel it every single time he opened the footlocker. It was a horrible wait and an extremely violent nightmares followed. I knew something wasn't right about it, but I didn't think anything of it since he had said he had stopped practicing. We eventually moved in together. The house soon took on a heavy weight. I saw more and more shadow people. Mm -hmm. I would hear bottles rolling on the floor in the kitchen, and then upon inspection, there would be nothing. Every night, something would sit on the bed next to me. I told him what I saw and felt, but he played it off as my imagination. He started drinking heavily and said it was due to stress. 
It got worse and worse and worse. When he would get, when we would get into arguments, his eyes would turn from hazel to black and he would say horrible things to me and then later wouldn't understand why I was mad at him. We soon decided to split up, but since our lease was not yet up, I stayed in the house in the spare room. I continued to see shadow people walking through the halls, but when we moved into separate rooms, things got even worse for me. I could hear him snoring in the other room, but then I would also hear pacing outside of my bedroom door. There were several nights when I would wake up to my dog laying over top of me, staring at the door and growling. I could hear him growling in his sleep. It was like a low growl, but I could still hear it. Mm -hmm. One night, I was sitting in the living room watching The Right. My ex passed out on the couch as he usually was. It got to a part where they were performing an exorcism in the movie. My ex-boyfriend started growling. He made these horrible, guttural sounds. He then started growling, Turn it off! Turn it off! His face started contorting and his chest started heaving toward upward like he was being pulled. All the while, he was still growling, Turn it off! I sat there staring at him in disbelief, frozen with fear, but curious all the same. Mm-hmm. So I turned up the volume and watched what happened. He continued to growl and move but still was passed out. He, After what seemed like an hour, he lifted his head and yelled, Turn it off! So I did. He got quiet and relaxed once I turned the movie off. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I sat there staring at him for a minute and then got up and went to my room and locked the door. I called my friend the next day and told her what had happened. She rushed me to a medium she, sh- she saw regularly the very next day. My friend was babbling away about the problem to the medium while I sat there quietly. The medium kept staring at me with such curiosity that I finally said, what the fuck is wrong? What? (laughs) He said, let me see a picture of him, meaning my ex-boyfriend. I hadn't even started to tell him my problem yet, so how could he even know? So I showed him a picture of my ex-boyfriend. He was happy and smiling in the picture, and it was one of our few happy days together. The medium just about fell over in his chair. He yelled at me, he has something attached to you. That's what I'm seeing. It's trying to hide itself. It's watching everything you do, and it reports back to him. He also has several demons attached to him, he said. This guy is drinking to try and block out the voices that he hears. He said, get away from him now. The medium said that in the meantime, until you could move out, go home and sage your home. My friend and I did just that. We spent two hours opening every single door and blowing smoke into every single corner. I didn't tell my ex-boyfriend where I had been that day or that I had saged the house. As soon as he got home, he screamed and yelled at me, What did you do? What did you do? I told him I didn't know what he was talking about. He continued to scream at me, You did something to the house. I can just feel it. I just looked at him and told him he was crazy. That night, when I laid down, Something came into my room while I was wide awake and kicked my bed hard, angrily, and repeatedly. I sat up and walked to the living room where my ex was and told him what had happened. Mm -hmm. He just shrugged his shoulders and said that I was the crazy one, and he knew what I had done. I couldn't take it anymore and soon moved out, but there is still something lingering around me at all times to this day. After a few years, I now have a new boyfriend, and we recently moved in together. One morning, he sat up looking very confused and concerned. Mm -hmm. He said, I need to tell you something, but I don't know how to say it. I told him to just spit it out. He stared at me with a look that I had never seen on his face before and said, okay, I had a really bad dream last night. Something was trying to climb up your legs while you were sleeping. Something black and very evil. He said, I kept kicking it off of you, but it wouldn't let you go. It just kept trying to climb up on top of you. And then it got mad. 
And I just said, excuse me? (laughs) He said, it got really mad and then it jumped on me and it got in my face and screamed this horrible sound. I could even feel the cold breath coming from it. It wants you really badly, but I won't let it take you. Frightened and feeling defeated, I told him that you are not supposed to feel coldness in your dreams. And was he sure that he was asleep? Mm -hmm. He said he didn't know, but he hoped that it was just a dream. I told him that I see black shadows outside of our bedroom door every night, but I had never seen it come in. I also told him about my ex and the medium. He shrugged his shoulders and got up, still looking concerned. We now sleep every night with him holding me tightly. I don't know what this thing is or why it's still attached with to me, but it still haunts us every single night. And then just a little Eek. note at the end. Yeah. Keep up the awesome podcast. I always look forward to hearing them. I still shake my head when I think back to the very first podcast episode of Time Suck I heard. It was about Roanoke. I oh, heard yeah. Dan say that the spiders would lift the eyelid mm-hmm. and crawl into the eye. And of course, I screamed out loud, what the fuck? My coworkers were amused by my outburst, and I soon learned about Dan's exaggerations, you little fucker. Love the stories, Jen. That's the Roanoke recluse. Yeah. They, they work in teams. Mm-hmm. They paralyze you with their bites. Uh-huh. And then one spider lifts your eyelid up, and then it lets other spiders crawl into your eyeballs. Uh-huh. And then they work their way inside your head, and that's what they lay eggs and other spiders hatch inside your brain. And that's how you go crazy? Mm-hmm. Cool. Is that scary. what's wrong with you? Nope. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's the scariest fake spider. Uh, I, I, I was uh, thinking about that story. I just think about, like, she called it the veil. Mm-hmm. I think, like, her, um, like, the, the sixth sense or, you know, the ability, ability yeah. to see things. And then the medium uh, picking up, like, the dark, you know, creature around her and him yeah. and more around him. And then that's, a, that's one of those things, too, where I'm like, we talked about, you know, earlier about if somebody else verified something. Yes. Because if I went into... As skeptical as I am, if I went into a medium mm-hmm. and they were like, you got all this dark energy around them, or actually better yet, if I went in with a group and there was uh-huh. like five or six people and I was singled out as being the one with the dark energy, yeah, I wouldn't believe them. But how freaky would it be if you went to like three mediums, right. nobody says anything, and everyone keeps identifying like you. Like if everyone kept it, kept it, be like, oh, everyone else is fine, but he has, especially if it was specific, three things on him. Right. And then like three different mediums say that, then I'm really freaking out because then I can't rationalize it away as like, well, that's just one person's opinion. Right, right. But if everyone is seeing the same thing that's like paranormal or evil or ugh. Have you ever been to a psychic? No, I don't mean like in a joking way. Like, have you ever like actually sought no. that out? No, never sought it out in a, in a serious way. I've never even done it in a joking way. Well, because I mean, some people will be like, oh, yeah, hilarious. Like, we're at a fair. You should see the tarot card reader or whatever. Yeah. You know, a, a long time ago, they weirded me out, and I wouldn't go for that reason. Why did it weird you out? I, th- I, th- I think because I believed in it more when I was younger, and, and I didn't want, I'm like, well, if they know what they're talking about, I don't want to have my head messed with if it's just mm-hmm. going to happen anyway. Yeah. I don't want to know about it. And then later, I became very skeptical. And now I'm at this point where it's like, you know, with this kind of show, it's like, I don't know. You know, what's on the other side, if, if if anything. I don't know if there is another side. Yeah. I lean towards thinking there is something else out there now. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I still think, uh, at the very least, the majority of those people are con artists, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is my own opinion. Sure. But I'm open to some of them having some kind of gift mm-hmm. and some kind of sight that I don't need to understand. Yeah. And that, that could be real. And that would be, but man, I'm I, and I'm glad I don't have that gift. Oh my God, me too. If that's a thing and you could like see, like the or, or like having the veil, like our mm-hmm. listener, I'm glad I don't have that Me because too. my psychology, no, thank you. I, I mean, I guess you would get used to it maybe. I guess if it's all you've known, like if you've had that's it your true. whole that's life. That's true. If you've had it your whole life, you don't know any different. It just seems you, normal You don't to know you. any different. 
That's a good and point. if you grow up in a household that uh, is accepting of that, right, and encourages it, or it's like mm-hmm. part of like their belief system, right. and it doesn't seem so weird. That's true. That's but, true. I mean, like in my household, my mom would have been like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? Shut up!" Yeah, there's, I mean, there's no way she would have indulged that on any level. If halfway through life you suddenly got that, that would be the terrible thing. Yeah. Um, I, before I forget, I know you, you're going to talk about our house, and you have some gifts. Yeah, and you want to talk about just that really quick. The, what the you thing did with to Kyler. What I did to Kyler. Go I was ahead. Proud of you, myself. you can tell your story. This is something I'd, I'd worked on for, thought about for a long time. It came up during the Secret Suck, this little other podcast associated with Time Suck. And, uh, and then some listeners suggested where I get these little Bluetooth speakers for this very specific prank. <laughs> and I got the tiniest little Bluetooth speaker you can get on Amazon. It's like the size of a quarter. It's, it was it's, crazy it's, it's small. Like s- smaller than a lighter. It's just like this tiny little thing, but so loud. I think it's about this size, like the size of like a little tea light, even smaller in smaller, circumference. Smaller, can... yeah, quite a bit smaller in circumference. Yeah, so tiny, but very loud. And I put it under his nightstand drawer. So like on a little metal bracket. Yeah. So if you felt underneath the drawer, you wouldn't find it. Right. And it, and it wouldn't be in the drawer. And then I set up a horror playlist on a dummy phone that we don't use anymore. Connect, waited for him to go to bed, was reading a book down there in the living room. And uh, after a few minutes of him being in bed, just played at the lowest possible volume. I could control the volume from the living room. This horror sound of, uh, it was a song at first. Ring around the rosy. Ring around the rose. Like very creepy. Yeah, it was like soft. 10 seconds in. Dad, 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 I hear something. No, my favorite is that he didn't, he wasn't immediately freaked out. He goes, God damn it, dad. Like he immediately oh, thought it right, was a joke, first time. which was so funny to me. Yep. And then so Lindsay and I go up and it was nice. You press pause on the phone, go up. And he thought it was a joke. He wanted it to be a joke for about a minute. Of course. And, and then we sold it well enough where he's like, wait, you're not kidding? And I was like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he started getting genuinely freaked out. Oh, so good. And then we looked around his room. I had a little talk with him about auditory hallucinations and about how like pieces of metal can pick up radio frequencies. Maybe, maybe that's what he's heard. I'm playing it dumb. Yeah, we were watching Stranger Things. What? So then yeah. we were like, yep. maybe it's just in your head. Got in your imagination. Oh, so good. After like five minutes, finally get to like leave the room. But he wants the light left on in the hallway. Yes. And he wants to keep the dogs with him. He wants to keep the dogs with him. Go sit in the living room again. Wait about two minutes. And then I just played this other track. It was all from Spotify. But so this funny. like demon voice of just like, help me. <laughs> like talking backwards. And then, then it was dad. <laughs> screaming. Run up there. On the way there, I take the phone. <sighs> shut it off just before I get in the door. So then he's like, I, no, I swear I heard it. <laughs> And then I'm like, I'm like, I start laughing and I'm like, sorry, buddy, but you know how you sound. <laughs> and he did. He was like, I know I sound crazy. I know I sound crazy, I but sound, I swear I heard I it. I sound the way a crazy person sounds. Right, right. And he and, was so good. And then finally, you know, like looked around his room, sold him and left the room again. And then I met, then we messed up. Right. Cause I wanted to take Dan to another part of yeah. the house to interview him about like what was happening. Cause we were yeah. going to press play one more time yep. and then scare and then him it. really good and then scare him. But we left the range of where the speaker could reach. So was it, it was pretty funny. Yeah, it's pretty funny how it ended. So then after that second time, uh, walked down to the basement and uh, Kyler, as, as we walked down there, he hears, Bluetooth disconnected. <laughs> and then he's like, God damn it, dad. And then he knew that it was me messing with his head, but I terrified but him. Yeah, he said he still had a hard time like going to sleep that night, even though he knew it was a joke. It was, God, it was so worked up. Oh, yeah. And he's so skeptical. He's so, so skeptical. skeptical. More than me. Oh, yeah. he. I mean, he claims himself to be an atheist. True. Like, he just is very skeptical, mm-hmm. very... Um, he doesn't like it riled up about nope. anything. Nope, very, very even. But Even if you yell him. at him, like, even if he gets in a lot of trouble, he just takes it. Yeah, he's pretty, and, and then, yeah, yeah, he's pretty calm, pretty mm-hmm. steady. 
Pretty yeah. funny. I, my favorite part too is that Monroe, our daughter, wanted to be in on it, so yeah. she knew what was happening. She was like, "Okay, when you do it, when you tell him the big reveal, wake him, wake me up. I want to be there to like." She yeah. wanted to see him. Oh yeah. Be like, dang it. Uh, but she was she hard was, to sleep that oh, night. She sleeps so hard. Well, especially because I've been taking them on these long ass hikes every day, mm-hmm. working those kids out during this quarantine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, so funny. Well, speaking of our house, yeah. So I haven't been telling you this because I figured you would just like roll your eyes or say it's my imagination. But sounds about right. You just, just said you figured that, yeah. Just just a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. I was just saying that like if I lived in a house that was like accepting of things, it would be easier to talk about these things. You also said if somebody else like heard those things with you, you would want to leave. So it's like there's pressure on me to not not, he- to, not to back you up on any of this. Fair, okay, fair, but also I didn't say I'd like. It depends what it is, you know. If like, you thought you saw a little shadowy person in our room and well, you're I'm, freaking out, and I'm like, fuck no, no, there it is. You would also want to move. That would that would be fine because we would both want to move. You know what I mean? Like quarantine's not a great time to sell a house. But, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, this would be a terrible time to have a haunting. Oh my god! You're stuck with it. You couldn't even get a priest to come over. I bet. Uh. Uh-uh. So they're like, sorry, I don't want the the Rona. So you've been hearing something. I haven't been hearing something. I've been seeing something. That's why I'm a little like, huh, out of the corner of my eye, mm-hmm. in just various places of our house. Just I'll see like a little like, I'm like what's that? A flicker. Yeah, it's really bothering me because it's always a dark black. Like it's not like it's not bright. It's not a, right. It's just a little something. Have you been seeing anything? I've not. I really haven't. I keep trying to tell myself that like it's it's in my imagination. It's this that and the other night. Actually, I thought this was so weird, and I did not tell you this. I got up in the middle of the night to use the restroom. And I think I pulled a tick out of my neck. Ah, uh, you should have showed it to me. Well, I don't. I I went to the bathroom and I would like use the restroom, wash my hands, which obviously like I'm in front of the mirror, and I was like, oh, what's that black thing on my neck? And I pulled something out of my neck. If you pulled it easily, it probably wasn't a tick. Okay, maybe it was just like a little. I, I think probably a little weird. I bug. didn't grow up with ticks. That wasn't something. I, I've had many a tick on me. Yeah, how big are they? Well, this depends thing on how much blood tiny. they have. I mean, they start off super tiny. They're very flat because their little head goes into your skin and starts sucking on the blood. And then they plump up and they're much easier to grab when they've been sucking on you for a while because they're, you know, they're filled with blood and they like turn into like a little ball. It felt like it was like just, just barely in. Like I grabbed something and it was they're, like. You, they're pretty hard. A lot of times like they're so tricky and they're so small to get out that it's easier to take like a, oh, like you hold a match to like a little oh, pin right. and then you touch the hot pin to the tick and that'll cause it to pop its head back out and then you grab them. So and, then, and then you burn them. They're super fucking gross. Yeah. Well, maybe it wasn't that because like when I, I don't know, it, it was some bug or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But just like that on top of like seeing some shadowy things out of the corner of my eyes recently. Yeah. But it's like weird when I see it. Like I'll just be like, for instance, in our bathroom, doing my hair or yeah. something and I'll open a drawer to get a brush out and like I'm doing my thing and I'll just kind of like look down just as you mm-hmm. do, you know, like I'll be listening to a podcast or yeah. and I'll just see something like, what was that? That was weird. You know how sometimes we put things on the mirrors, like little like like notes for the kids, like reminders? Yeah. I'm just asking like in a nice way, would it help if I just wrote a note for you that just said, please remember you are incredibly mentally unstable. And then that way <laughs> you get freaked out but then you read the note and you're like, that's right. And then you're like, ah, and you calm yourself back down. I'm just asking. I'm asking in a friendly way. I did preface that saying that was a friendly way. Where is my hot <laughs> yoga crystal-loving boyfriend? I am ready for him. I want someone who leaves me love notes uh-huh. on the mirror and That's... who tells me I'm pretty. I, I tell you crystals. pretty. You're beautiful. I don't tell you enough. I know. And, you know, 
I always feel like a weirdo talk. I know I'm, I have to work on getting over it, but I always feel like a weird, like Eddie Haskell from Leave It to Be. Like, you're like, oh, you're so beautiful. I feel like weird Why saying you it. You say it like that. Oh, you're so beautiful. <laughs> no one wants to be told they're beautiful like that. What oh, are you? you're so beautiful. That's like, and now I'm going to take you outside and peel your skin off. <laughs> I'm going to wear your skin as a mask. Exactly. Yeah. Creep. Okay. I know. Okay. So I just, I thanked Stephanie for my socks, but I, this was such, I mean, we get so many gifts and presents and I don't think that anybody wants to sit here for the next 20 minutes thanking them for presents, but you know how much I love skincare, Dan. I do. Do you, oh, Skincare is my favorite thing. You're secretly a South Korean woman. I wish I was. Do you know how many products they use on average a day? 35. I believe it. It's amazing. They look so young and beautiful mm-hmm. and plump and just... Mm-hmm. Korean I used women to think love that their skin. I'm not talking yeah. about Amer- Korean American. I'm talking about from South Korea. I feel like I used to say that in my next life I wanted to come back as an African American woman. Now you want to come back. because well because I love their bodies. I like I love the body. Korean or African American? African American. Black women in general. Yeah, yeah. Like I just I think their bodies are so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And they like have this ability to be uh, a little bit thicker without mm-hmm. it being like oh she's just fat. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know how what happens to white women, but it's like. If if white women have a belly, it's like a soft, pudgy belly. If a black like woman has a belly, it's like hard and solid. I'm like, fuck yeah, you're hot. Like they're just solid I, people. I think the attractiveness is the rate is the ratio, and so you know, oh, yeah. like white, black, whatever. Like like if you have a broader frame, yeah, and so your um, hips pop out a little bit more, and your butt yeah. pops out a little more, and your and your uh, chest bre- and boobs pop out a little more, then you can get away with like more weight overall, as, lo- it, as long as the weight falls in the right spots. But it's the solidity of their bodies. Like, again, well, that's true. They're, they're just, I, I don't know what, it's got to be genetics. And I, I mean, I'm not a genius with this stuff, but it's mm-hmm. just like, uh, they're just solid. And I'm like, oh, I want like a nice, smooth, curvy, you, thick you, body. You like a Selena Williams body, but not like a- Serena ha- Williams? Oh, shit. Yeah. I don't pay attention to tennis. I just remember what she looks well, like. she's very- You're right, Serena. She's, she's muscular. Beautiful. and She's, she's very th- muscular. But no, I like the like- um, Like a Beyonce. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, she's even like a little- Because there's also like the Halle Berry, which is a little more waifish. Right. Right. And I think Halle Berry is only half- well, it's all, there's already, yeah, who knows right, what but the like, ratios are. I, I don't know. It's just like, there's just a certain look that I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. so beautiful. And you just get to pull off a different vibe that like as a fucking basic white bitch, I can't pull off. So anyways, skincare, mm-hmm. Korean women. Now, I, now I think I want to come back as a Korean woman because I'm obsessed <laughs> with skincare. And so somebody, this is a combination of all the things I love, Dan. First of all, this bag says, my skin for the win. Okay. 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 Can you guys see that? Oh yeah, you can. And um, I have a little business card in here. This is uh, Julia Dalton hyphen brush, and this is B3 Balm, okay? B3 Balm. You can't really see it on there. Um, it is crystals oh, and skincare in one, Dan. Oh, man. This is fluorite rejuvenation facial oil. I want to see if one of these is, like, really clear. Look at You can see... Crystals in there? Crystals in here. This is, uh, like, a little perfume roller. Mm-hmm. This is such a generous gift. There are so many things in here. And I just That's, thought it was so sweet and so kind. It's very unique. Rose quartz yeah. face cleaning oil. This is going in our bathroom. Someone's going to start using it right away. Nope. I'm going to get... I like my own... I like the face cleaner that I use. But it's very nice. I, I'm not trying to disparage it. I just like the one. I'll, I'll, I'm open to it. I'll try it. I'll try it. I shouldn't yeah. have said... This is a nice way to get you into crystals. Well, let's take it easy. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, Jennifer. Did I say that right? Julia, sorry, I'm an asshole. Thank you, Julia, and thank you again, Stephanie, for my awesome. Beautiful socks. packaging, I will say. Beautiful packaging, I know, it's really cool. Yep, uh, I'm I'm a big fan of packaging. Did it, yeah, she did a great job. I often buy things simply because of how they look. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Shows, shows uh, they put thought and care into it. I agree, Dan. I yeah, agree. Thank you. We, we, we agree on some stuff. A few things. And that was a fun, uh, that was all for today. I, I hope you had fun. I had fun. It was nice. Um, please keep sending in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. For everything else, info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks for listening or watching. If you watched, you got the uh, discount code. Uh, Bad Magic Production. Thanks to the Bad Magic Productions team, Logan and Kate. Uh, also doing social media. Yes. Uh, the talented folks who design the merch and manage badmagicmerch.com. And also, Dan, if I could just interject, yeah. because also for social media, Kate and Logan are looking for those short snippet stories. So remember, ah, when you're sending yes. in your my stories, if you're like, oh, this is just a little paragraph or like just a little thing, awesome. We mm-hmm. want to keep you scared all week long. So feel free to still send those in. Yeah. And you can just like put a little note in the subject line, like for Kate and Logan or short story or like right in the very beginning after you say hello to Heather, who beautifully handles all mm-hmm. those emails. Mm-hmm. So I don't Heather Rylander. Yep. lose my mind. Um, just a little note like, hey, this one's for Kate and Logan. That is awesome. Mm hmm. Sorry. No, that was, that was great. That was Thank great. You, Dan. And and thanks to Sophie uh, uh, Evans for uh, helping. Uh, you know, some find more of the creepy stories. Yes, a, a writer and producer. Mm-hmm. She's great. And Joe Paisley for overseeing producing, directing. Zach Cohen, Jeffrey Montoya, and Joe creating the sound beds that uh, Joe Paisley and Zach lay in. And uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Scared to Death Podcast. Find the pictures. More content there. And subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube if you want to watch. And enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers, and hope you don't see a scary shadow demon thing in the corner and then have someone else be like, hey, what's that scary demon thing in the corner right there? And Because then you're definitely going to be scared to death. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but has no home here within scared to death. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash scared to death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash scared to death.